Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we have two co-hosts in this series on living overseas. If you've considered living overseas, you must listen to this series. If you didn't listen to last week's show, you might want to head over there and listen to that episode first. This series might make more sense if you listen to them in order. In last week's episode, we spoke about what happened to my two co-hosts and why they moved overseas and why they help others do the same. Today, we're talking about the five things you must do before you pack your bags to live overseas. And next week, we'll talk about how to decide where to retire. Many of us want a place where we can not only afford to live, but also where we have our tribe that we can be friends with. We'll discuss where Americans and Canadians are retiring and other English speaking people and why. Finally, in the fourth episode, we'll discuss one particular country, Ecuador, and why my husband and I had considered that and why my co-host actually decided to move there. So you haven't saved enough money, or you might have a friend who hasn't saved enough, or maybe you like the slower lifestyle that an out-of-the-U.S. retirement brings. If any of these situations are yours, then this series is for you. My guests are a power couple when it comes to living overseas. Not only have they written hundreds of articles on the subject, but they also have three best-selling Amazon books and a course for people who want to dive deeper on the subject. But before we start, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Medicare Quick Step-by-Step Guide for Signing Up for Medicare. If you're signing up for Medicare for the first time, you already know how confusing it can be. This step-by-step guide is absolutely free and will help you easily make the transition into Medicare. Get it free at medicarequick.com slash checklist. Okay, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and bring on Ed and Cynthia Staten. Thanks so much for coming on the show again, especially after all of the technical difficulties <laughs> we had last week. Thanks again. Thank, thank you, Kathy, for having us. We are happy to be here. <laughs> Sometimes technical issues happen, and uh, thanks for, for continuing, even though we had such a difficult time. So, so today we're going to be talking about what you need to do before you make that move. Now, I had something similar when I was talking to, Les and I moved from San Diego all the way to South Carolina. And I had a checklist that I worked off of. And let me tell you, now that I'm here in South Carolina, there were some things I didn't put on the checklist. So (laughs) tell me, what are some things that people need to think about before they move, not just across the country, but to a new country? What are some things they need to think about? Well, I uh, certainly, um, there's the language issue. If they aren't interested in learning anything from another language, then they need to look at at places that have a lot of English speakers. Oh, there is one country that I'm thinking of that's all English. Yes. Yeah, Belize, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that's uh, that's certainly uh, a country we point out to people when when the when the language issue is uh, important to them. But certainly, uh, there's a lot of English all over the world, and certainly there are apps and. Uh, that you can get to help you, classes, that sort of thing. So it's not as a, it's not a big, as big of an obstacle as maybe some people would think. So I have to tell you a story about an English-speaking country. Okay. So my husband and I, in August of 2019, went for a three-week vacation in England, a little city called Wigan. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend who is in San Diego and he said, oh, you're going to Wigan, are you? And I said, yes. And he says, you're not going to be able to understand anything those people say. <laughs> he says, people who live in England can't understand people who live in Wigan. <laughs> That's funny. And he was right. Uh, <laughs> most of the time I had a really hard time understanding what they were saying. So just because it's an English speaking country <laughs> that's right. doesn't mean you're going to be able to understand their version of English. Well, even that's true, Kathy, in the, in the States. And you probably uh, realize this if you move from San Diego to South Carolina, uh, yes. you maybe experience some of that yourself. <laughs> yes, I have. And like there are some sayings that I didn't understand, like bless your heart. That's not oh. really a compliment. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, it's more of a, uh, an empathetic, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you dumb blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right. no, I get it. Right. In the South, they can insult you with a smile and, and uh, oh, it's fine. But well, yeah. Ed and I both grew up in the South, so we, uh, we can talk about that on another show. <laughs> But that's an option too. I mean, there, there are some similarities to moving overseas, moving from one part of the country to another. I would say the things that you need to think about are probably similar. Well, yeah. And, you know, um, even uh, we living in Ecuador, we live in the highlands and uh, that's where Cuenca is. But on the coast, the people that live on the coast, sometimes Ecuadorians that live in the highlands can't understand people on the coast. So it's really, it's no different. <laughs> right. People from New York can't understand people from South Carolina. That's right. That's Psychologically right. as well as linguistically. It's true. The culture, you're going to have a culture shock. So is that on your list? Be aware of the culture shock? Well, I mean, if you're not aware of that, then you shouldn't, you need to back up a little bit because <laughs> that's, well, I say that, but here's a one of the number one mistakes that people make that causes expat life to go wrong, and that is that they think that moving abroad is going to be just a cheaper North America. <laughs> right. And yeah. it's the cheaper part is right, unless you move to you know Switzerland or something like that. It's just the biggest mistake, and people. We had talked previously about people moving from before off the air, actually, about people saying, why don't they learn English? And they're talking about people moving to the United States. People, well, why didn't you learn Spanish? <laughs> well, we, we know enough to get by, but there are expats we've heard say, why don't these people learn English? Oh, that's and, funny. In yeah, Ecuador, funny. it's like, uh, because that's not their language. <laughs> Because I don't know, you're maybe in that's... their country, not the other way around. That's hysterical. So, so, yeah, kind of wrap up this whole language thing, and then we can move on to the other uh, other things that you need to think about. Is that being functional is 
great and that doesn't take a lot but signing up for classes and and not necessarily before you move abroad but once you get there because it gives you an opportunity to make friends first of all you you suddenly you have something in common with these people sitting next to you you're trying to learn a little bit of spanish and these may be you know end up being your your besties uh so who knows it's a good thing to do once you move and get settled find find a language class uh, but find one that's definitely conversational you, right. That, don't don't learn all the medical terminology that you don't. Conjugating verbs. That's no, that's no. not necessary, and it kind of gets in the way. People get so bogged down that they just say, "Oh, I can't do this," and they quit. Yeah. And you don't need to be able to speak in the subjunctive tense. Isn't that something that we <laughs> speak in English? I'm not sure. As, as long as you can get your message across, it's fine, right? Yeah, yeah because yeah. the locals appreciate so much your effort even if it's horrible and they'll do whatever they can to to help you in any way they can unless you're so, in france okay if you're if you're in france if you're in france i'm yeah. sorry i'm making fun of you but that's what yes. we've heard is that french people don't like it unless you speak perfect yeah. french to so don't even bother that's what we've heard well, well. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. All right. So the second thing you got to do or think about is the money situation, your finances. A lot of people, if you're comfortable still writing checks and, and going and handing the lady the deposit at the bank and all that sort of thing, you kind of need to get over that. Because, <laughs> do you um, do that? <laughs> well, Abigail, we have, do you have a local bank account? Uh, in Ecuador, and Ed will go to the bank occasionally and make deposits, but uh, typically you need to get most of your financial life online if you don't already have it online. That makes sense. Yeah, Absolutely. There's a common misconception, well, there's lots of misconceptions, but one is that you have trouble getting your social security if you live out of the country. Direct That's deposit. not the case. You, most of our friends, and what we do personally, is maintain a U.S. banking relationship, and then just pull money out of ATMs. They're everywhere. <laughs> and but if you don't want to do that, almost any country—not every bank in every country—but there are banks in just about every country that will accept your Social Security if you want to do everything locally. Like Cynthia said, we do have a local bank account. A lot of people don't even do that, but we do it so that we can have our the few bills that we have paid automatically, deducted, instead of us having to go over here and pay this bill and go across town and pay that bill. I did that for the first few months and I was like, what the heck am I doing? So can you, in where you live, can you have your local bills automatically paid or do you have to go stand in line? No. No, I mean, our internet bill comes out automatically, our water bill, our electric bill, our health insurance yeah, comes out every so, month. Actually, that's all the bills now that I think of it. That's great. Okay, so you don't have to, there's not going to be that culture shock where you can't have automated bills. What about credit cards? Because I rarely carry cash. I typically use my credit card for everything. I love getting airline points. How is that? Do most of the restaurants don't take them? When we went to, what country was that? Um, can't remember the name of it, but it was a third world country. I think it starts with a C. 
where we where they have monkeys and things like that, we we had to pay cash. Costa Rica? Are you talking yeah, Costa Rica? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we went to Costa Rica. <laughs> okay. And we, we had to pay cash for everything. They didn't take most of the small store. You know, they you didn't know what? That's a great point because there are a lot of little, like we call them mom and pop uh, restaurants, stores. And so if you are used to always using a credit card for every single thing, I mean, even your you know cup of coffee in the morning, that's, um, that's something you need to ask about. Uh, definitely the taxi driver, you're going to want to keep change, like small okay. change, because the large bills, now here in Ecuador, they use the U.S. dollar, so that's great. We oh, they do? To, yes, great. we don't have to do the conversion to the local currency, but still you have to be aware that they don't keep a lot of um, a lot of change on hand, so it's your responsibility, even though you think it should be theirs. Uh, for you to do that. And it's not uncommon. I mean, just the other day, I, I was getting a man manicure and pedicure. And, and the woman, uh, when I got ready to pay, she didn't have enough change for, I was going to give her 20. I mean, it's less than $20. She had to run next door and get change. I, I mean, but that happens all the time. <laughs> so basically, you have to carry a lot of singles like you used to work at a strip club or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Think of it like that. <laughs> You always have a lot of singles with yeah. you. So yeah. What, do you, what yeah. do you describe with your Costa Rican experience in our life? You described a tourist mentality. When you live someplace, you, you don't use credit cards because that just doesn't make sense. You're going to get charged an international transaction fee. Why? When you can That's just pull it, out of, yeah. put a, pull it out of an ATM. So the money thing, like I said, get it all online. Uh, so if we're going to get through this, we can't get blow through these five topics. Well, we'll, we'll do what we can. We don't have to rush. <laughs> we don't have to rush. We're good. If, if we All right. Uh, but the next one that we had was about, oh, no. I just wanted to say, to wrap up the whole money part, unless you have a question, one of the reasons we maintain a bank account in the States is that's for credit cards, especially for airline tickets, you know, we we use our credit card because that's just a smarter way to book those tickets and everything. And so that's our credit cards aren't local credit cards; they're credit cards from the states. Okay. So I just and, to point that out. And Ed, my credit cards don't have foreign transaction fees, so personally, I wouldn't have to worry about that. And by the way, I use my credit cards even for a cup of coffee. Like, I know. <laughs> I, but, but I do understand that that is not customary in other countries. And so when I do travel to other countries, I do carry some cash for the merchants that don't, I mean, if you're, if you're not in a touristy area, usually the merchants aren't going to accept credit cards because if right. they don't want to pay the fee. They don't want to set it up exactly. for whatever reason. Well, and Kathy, conversely, when we're, in the states like we are right now when i go to a grocery store or something and pull out money people behind the cashier you looks at me like um, <laughs> what is, what's that stuff you know it's so yeah. so it works both ways in that regard absolutely it does yes i completely completely agree okay so we've we've talked about language we've talked about money a little bit credit cards what are some other things to think about? Well, you got to get a visa. 
when you move Is that like to instead the, of a MasterCard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing about that, a big card for us, just as an aside, in Ecuador that we didn't even know existed anymore is Diners Club. Oh my gosh, aren't those really expensive? I don't know, like but that that was the main card when we got there. Like, really? We didn't even yeah. know that exists anymore. But no, when you get off the plane, people think, oh, another misconception, by moving abroad, you're gonna like have to give up your citizenship in the States. Nothing could be further from the truth. You can choose to, and some people do, but um, that's not necessary. And when you get off the plane, like we did and everybody else does to start with, you're just a tourist to start with. You've got to go through a formal process of applying for permanent residency. Otherwise, you're an illegal, you know, you're an illegal. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to do that. Yeah, there's enough talk about that in the don't United States. Don't go there. You don't want to be that person. No, we're not going to talk about that. But yeah, so you do. You have, you know, there's certain paperwork. Uh, you know, an application process, the, the whole the whole thing. And each country has its own, obviously, rules. And so once you decide your country, then you start looking into what the requirements are for a, re a residence. To and live there, not necessarily become a citizen. Exactly. Yeah, we're not citizens. We could be. We, have, we just haven't chosen to apply for citizenship in Ecuador because it just hasn't been a you priority. You don't need to. You don't yeah, need no, no, we can be a permanent resident. Uh, well, our visa and our passport is uh, indefinitely. So unless we do something really terrible and get deported, we, we are permanent residents of Ecuador. When we were looking at the possibility of moving overseas, one of the things that we read, because I did a lot of reading, I signed up for international living and, you know, did, did all that, which I'm sure you did too. Uh-huh was that at the time, and I don't know if that's changed, is that it can be really difficult to go through that paperwork because it seems like everything was kind of disorganized. And if you went to one place, it, you did it this way, but if you went to another place in the same country, they did it a different way. Did you find that to be the case 10 years ago when you moved? It's still true today. But, <laughs> but doing this particular thing especially, is not a do-it-yourself project. You really need to spend the little bit of money that it costs to hire an immigration attorney in the country that you're going to and let them do their thing because we've just, you can fall into a black hole and never come out <laughs> as far as the, as far as the, just the paperwork, it, it does, vary from place to place it varies from person to person sometimes it feels like depending on what mood they're in so um they all get to do their own interpretation and that's why you just want to let someone who knows the ropes do this for you well and, and because too uh the laws often change from one internet post to another uh, if you're if you're trying to do this online you don't know if you're talking to someone that actually has the most up-to-date information, and you're most likely dealing with paperwork in a different language. And so, yes, when we say hire a visa attorney, that is some of the best advice we can give. <laughs> because you can't go and say, why don't you have these forms in English? That's right, you can't. <laughs> 
Okay, that makes total sense to hire somebody to assist you with the process. When you first moved, how long was that tourist visa? Yeah, at that days. time, it lasted for 90 days. So yeah. you need to show up with your paperwork pretty much in hand. It's really a pain in the rear end to try to be dealing long distance with FedEx and expensive yeah. to deal with FedEx if you don't have things right. You've got to get things apostilled, which is a word that most people have never even heard of. I've never it's heard a, of it. It's a way for the state, well, to be recognized as an official document. You have it's to send a, yeah. things to the state government and they put a seal on it. It's an authentication process, but that's, we don't want to get into yeah, all those details with your audience right now. But, but the process is like, for instance, if you were thinking about um, retiring to Cuenca like we did, you would first take a scouting trip. You would certainly uh, travel to the places within the country within your 90 days. And if you decided that this is the place that you want to live, then you would, during the time you're there, maybe make an appointment with a visa attorney, find out everything you would need to gather when you go back home, and, and then begin to do that and, and set yourself a time frame for when you wanted to accomplish having all your documents together, and certainly you could send them to the visa attorney without having to show up in person. So depending on your own personal time frame, that would determine when you do what. Does that make sense? Yeah, have you ever heard of anybody just moving to the country without even being there first? They just read about it and they're like, oh, I read about it, I think I'll move there. Yes, no. yes, we have. How long did that last? Not did long. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes actually it, it uh, and again, this is very personal. If that person had very limited financial resources and one trip was it, and they did the research and they said, you know what, I'm going to make this work because I need to make this work. And they did. So we, we've heard the success stories too. Okay. Uh, well, that's good. But in general, you don't recommend that. No. Of course not. No. No. Check out the country. Check it out first. Yeah, we tell people don't even believe what we tell you. You know. <laughs> well, but, well, there's a thing, uh, and women, I think, are, are kind of uh, tuned into this maybe a little bit more than men, called intuition. And sometimes you just know by your gut feeling if something's right or it's not. Sometimes you can't even explain it. Right. So you just you just kind you got to show up and trust your gut. <laughs> And then once you've shown up and you think you like it, then what, you come back for another 90 days or what, what happens? You go, you come in, you do a three month trip, check it out, scope it out, find out where you want to live it, you know, or if you want to live there. And then what's, what's next? Do you go home? Well, it depends on the country. So yeah, I mean, for Ecuador, for instance, if you come and within that 90 days, you know, that this is the place for you and your time frame. you want to say move there six months later or even three months later, you apply for an extension so that you can come back into the country uh, as a tourist and, and then you bring everything with you, your documents. So that is very country specific as far as how many times you can come back into the country on your tourist visa before you actually apply for residency. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I have heard that in other countries, 
there are benefits that you get for being a certain age or for having a certain amount of money in the bank or for for whatever. I don't know if you're prepared to talk about any of that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's for sure true. I mean, I can talk about those benefits for somebody. We call it to Sarah Dodd in their third age. And it doesn't have to be specific to Cuenca, because remember, we're still going to talk about Ecuador right. in the last. Well, round. yeah, a lot of countries actually have programs for us older people. Yeah, Panama is well known for its pensionista program, as far as extra discounts and so forth and so on for people who are to Sarah Dodd. To Sarah's third, and Dodd is age, third so you you don't get you're not old people and it's, it's a respectful thing. It's not an over the hill and out to pasture and all that sort of stuff. And our country in Ecuador, we get, if you own your home, you get half price utilities. Oh, you get, that's nice. Yeah, but it doesn't, the utilities are so cheap anyway. We don't have heating and air conditioning. So our electric bill is like $30 a month. We get discounted airfare, which does make a difference. You get discounted airfare? Yeah, yeah, we originate the flight in Ecuador, like we book our flights from Ecuador, we, we get discounts. Because yeah. of your age or because you have money in the bank or both? No, it's because of age. the age. That's there's nice. No, yeah. There's no discounts in Ecuador for putting money in the bank. There's, that's more in um, Malaysia. What's you the have age? To, what's, what's the cutoff age? 65. For so for most of the countries in, say, Latin America, it's 65 is when your benefits begin. Yeah, it's yeah. not like AARP when they start sending things 50. like 50. Well, I, started, <laughs> I got my first AARP invitation when I was in my 30s. <laughs> I was not happy. <laughs> it's like, wow, that was a bad picture. <laughs> I know, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> anyway. And um, so 65 is typically the age when you can start receiving some kind of benefit for living in a Latin country. Yeah, and something I thought was kind of silly, but I've come to really enjoy is that we get to, we get our own lines, at the, lines. at the bank and the grocery store and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. Well, even getting on the plane, I mean... We, we get to cut in line. Yeah, we get, we get on before the first class people do. Wow, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Now, now, I'm not 65. Will they take me just because I look old, or do I have to show my driver's license? Well, I, I would suggest getting a collapsible cane. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It might help with the image a little bit. That's right. So just like they've done in the U.S. with the um, service dogs, we'll ruin it for you guys, too, by <laughs> faking our age. <laughs> So we've got benefits that we don't necessarily have. That's a good thing. But what, what are some other things that we need to consider before packing our bags and just getting on a plane and moving? Well, health insurance is a biggie. One is because Medicare, while citizenship is fine, you don't, and Social Security is fine, <clears throat> Medicare doesn't travel beyond the U.S. borders. No, it so doesn't. you've got to think about that. And your choices are threefold, I guess. You can get a private policy. You can, once you're a permanent resident in many countries, you can qualify for whatever the national healthcare program is in that country. Or because it's a cheap, you can simply choose to pay out of pocket. 
for care within the country. We maintain our Medicare benefits for two reasons. One, because as is now, we're in the United States and the Ecuador benefits we have also don't travel outside the country. And also because you never know about what forever means. Just because we live in Ecuador now doesn't mean we're gonna live in Ecuador forever and the opt-in charge to opt out of Medicare and then go back in, you know this, this is your world. Yeah, it's right. it's not cheap, and if you moved out of the country because you didn't have a ton of money, then you probably don't have a ton of money when you come back to, to pay the bills. To... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. in our case, we're part of the the Ecuador national healthcare system. We have 100% coverage, zero deductible, no restrictions for age or pre-existing condition. And our monthly premiums for both of us combined is $81. Wow, that's Giddy awesome. up. It is well, awesome. So we do all of those things. So we have Medicare, we have Ecuador National Health Insurance, and we also pay out of pocket for some things. Uh, like we just had some dental work done and we pay out of pocket for that. I have uh, an ophthalmologist that I really like. I've had cataract and surgery and lens replacement. So I had him do that because I could afford to pay for it out of pocket. It wasn't uh, over the top expensive. But in the U.S., that would probably be cost prohibitive to just pay out of pocket for cataracts. Exactly. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I had a crown replaced, a veneer put on, and a cosmetic filling, and all of it was 250 bucks. Wow. And there we have the medical travel <laughs> white people travel overseas to get their medical done sure exactly. yeah, well, yeah this medical tourism thing is not a new idea and it's all true right. so yeah we do all three we found that a hybrid works best for us but everyone has to make their own decisions about that the, the great news kathy is that specifically regarding dental a lot of people put that off because it's so expensive and, and not when, covered. Yeah, and not covered. And when they move abroad, they can actually get some stuff done that should have been done a long time ago, but better late than never. That's nice. Yeah, I, I have a lot of people contacting me because they need implants, uh -huh. uh, dental implants. Do they do that where you are? Oh, sure. sure they do oh, all yeah. that, anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And a lot of, I've heard that a lot of these doctors and dentists Maybe not dentists, but a lot of the doctors actually train in the U.S. Well, and they train all over the world. And so uh, that even though we have uh, uh, medical schools here in, in Ecuador, in Cuenca, there, I think there are seven universities. They're not all medical, but uh, typically doctors do, for some of their training, go to other places. And for continuing training, they go outside of the country. Uh, I know our uh, dentist recently got back from Germany. He he went to a conference and, and was teaching things that he does in Ecuador. And uh, so, yeah, they, they do go all over to train. Wow, that's nice. That's nice. So anything else that we should be discussing about what you really need to think about before you pack your bags and move overseas? Well, a, a real big one is like, where, where you're going to live when you get there. <laughs> we, um, we very, very, very much recommend renting first, even if you plan to eventually buy a place. It's just, I mean, 
anybody that's had any experience with Airbnb or one of those places knows that sometimes the pictures aren't quite the same as the as the real life experience. So to do something as radical as moving to a new country, you really need to have boots on the ground and get familiar with not just where you are, but within where you are. And there, different, neighborhoods. different neighborhoods have a different vibe and a different feel. And, and you can't know that over the internet. You need to just be there for a while. That makes sense. And in our case, we've chosen to continue to rent because rents are so disproportionately cheap compared to purchases for some reason. And um, we instead have invested our, a lot of our money in one-year CDs that pay an incredibly high interest rate. So um, that's made more sense for us than hoping the housing market rises. We know exactly what we're going to be getting every year from our one-year CD. But the good news is, just to let you know, we, we mentioned in the first episode, we live in a two-story penthouse apartment. It's almost 3,000 square feet, four bedrooms, four and a half baths. And our rent's 700 a month. That's nice. Very <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. So that's how we can do a $2,000 budget and live in a place like that and still do all the other lovely things that we do to have a nice life. And then when you're tired of going up and down the stairs, you can just move out. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if yeah. something goes wrong, we tell the landlord. Well, well and we know people over the years, uh, that have decided to move on to other countries and move to, uh, even if they stayed in Ecuador, maybe move to the coast for a while, move out to the country. And so the, the fact is that people, no matter where they live, they just move. People right. move. <laughs> right, especially if you're adventurous enough to move overseas. Yeah. Right. Well, once you've done sort of, it the first time and not only survived, but found out probably it wasn't as hard or as bad as you had made it up in your mind to be when you were considering it, then you're like, well, this place is great, but I'm not getting any younger. Why don't we try blah, blah, blah. Exactly. That, that, that makes perfect sense, actually. You know, if, if you're adventurous enough to move overseas, you might be adventurous enough to move again once you're there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So next week, we're going to be talking about the different countries that most U.S. retirees are moving to and still collecting their Social Security benefits. I'm really excited about that. What about you? I'm sure that before you moved, you did a lot of research on different countries, correct? We actually kind of worked off of our wish list. We did look at some other countries and uh, found out that a number of these countries we were looking at did not check all our boxes. So we were really driven by our list and what we were looking for, and that eliminated a lot of countries. Well, I am so excited to hear more about that. Before we go today, do you want to tell our listener how to reach you and maybe a little bit about your course? Okay, Ed. Sure. Well, the website is basically our name, www.edandcynthia.com. Ed spell with two D's, but if you spell with one, it'll still redirect to the website. And um, our program is called Retirement Reimagined. And it's a step-by-step, -step, very systematic approach to going from wherever you are right now, even if you don't have a passport, all the way to getting off the plane in the country that you 
have chosen for yourself based on the steps that we take you through to figure out which one is your ideal relocation spot. And all the everything in between as far as things we've been talking about with visas and how to get your stuff online, even down to remembering to renew your driver's license and library card before wow, you that, leave. That sounds great. That sounds great. And all of that can be found at edandcynthia.com? Yep. Yep. Perfect. Great. As well, well as I, links to our three books. Right. Yes. Well, I am looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Great. We had a blast. Thank you, Kathy. For our listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro 
was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.